Yikes. Um, there isn't a person listening to the programme that doesn't have uh, a fear of that kind of noise. The dentist's drill. Now, for those of you, because, of course, it's a right hook health checkup, those of you expecting the dulcet tones of Kira Kelly will be disappointed because she's not here. She's on a holidays. And I've asked a dentist to come in and uh, take your queries on Matters Dental. It is Paul Dowling. Paul, welcome to the programme. Thank you very much, George. Now, you're an orthodontist. What's that? That's right. So so I'm a, a dentist first and foremost. And then after I qualified, I went back to college to study for several more years to become an orthodontist. And that's somebody who, who straightens teeth with braces, both children and increasingly nowadays with, ad, with adults. All right. Most of us would have thought an orthodontist was a kid's dentist. But you're a dentist first and foremost, so we can answer all kinds of queries. But just why am I seeing more adults wearing braces? Like, what can you do to the teeth of a 30 or 40-year-old? Yeah, it's, it's, it's something that's, that's followed the American pattern, really, over the last 10, 15 years. More and more adults are wearing braces because it's become socially acceptable or less socially unacceptable. And the appliances themselves look much better and uh, to the point that they're almost invisible, some of them. So there's a far greater uptake among adults who maybe miss the boat the first time around. And you're straightening teeth. And I'm straightening teeth. But, but couldn't it, like, I mean, if I was 35, like, you know, I'm not going dancing anymore and I'm not doing all that sort of stuff. If my teeth are crooked, like, so what, really? I think, I think people value it themselves, Do for they? themselves, rather than for maybe the dance floor. But All right. Now, we got it. Straightened teeth. But... We heard the drill. The drill is really a generational thing, isn't it? Because now uh, pain is actually irrelevant in dentistry, is it? It doesn't exist. Well, far less so than it did maybe in, when you were growing up, George. The, the, the techniques that were available to help you were very simple techniques. Um, and the, the, the materials and the, the technology has advanced greatly. There's a far greater emphasis on prevention rather than on uh, just taking teeth out, which might have happened, you know, X number of years well, ago. Well, I mean, you don't have to go X. You just go a generation. Yeah. Uh, the, the generation, certainly of my parents, no, nobody like of my parents' generation would have had their own teeth. Isn't that right? That's, and also, not only would they not have their own teeth, they'd by and large be uncomfortable. So they only kind of wore them when they were going out. Wouldn't that be right? That's right. Yes. So I was talking to Terry Prone and she let slip that she had implants. So for people listening who might be thinking about stuff like this, what do you do with implants? What are they? Well, they're used in cases where people have lost their own natural teeth. And the technology with implants now means that they can have an insert put into the bone in the place of where the tooth was and a crown built on that insert. And that insert actually integrates with the body, so it essentially becomes a new tooth to the patient. And it's fantastic technology and has revolutionized, really, the management of, of older dentitions. So you're not taking your teeth out every night and putting them in a glass? Exactly. No, you're not. You're, they're in. They're in. They're yours. They're your new ones. All right. Um, but the reason you need implants, of course, is your teeth fell out or pulled out. Um why do you have to pull teeth? What, what, what are the main diseases, if you like, that cause the reason we need to pull a tooth? Well, the, the two main diseases would be tooth decay and gum disease. And they're, they're two of the most common diseases in the world 
they're everywhere. So tooth decay, decay, first of all, has increased to some degree with the consumption of more sugars. And uh, gum disease is there when patients don't brush their teeth. You get a reaction at the gum that the bone gradually recedes and the tooth becomes wobbly and eventually lost. All right. So my problem was I never brushed my teeth. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> no, but here's an interesting thing. The reason the other generations lost their teeth was, A, dentistry was, was basic or they couldn't afford it or whatever. The second thing was, like, they couldn't necessarily afford toothbrushes and, and, and toothpaste and they there was ignorance and dentists just pulled teeth out at first sight. Why, therefore, do people in Africa, for instance, black people in Africa, appear to have the most perfect teeth, yet they're living in poverty-stricken countries where there may not be too many dentists? I mean, is that because Africans have better teeth or something, or what? It's more to do with they, they don't suffer. Their diet isn't high in sugar, so they won't suffer from tooth decay. So the surface of the teeth won't get destroyed or, or broken down quite so readily as it would over here. They don't have that access to sugar. But they will suffer from gum disease if they don't brush their teeth just the same as we will. So uh, in many of those African countries, they use very simple versions of toothbrushes, little sticks to clean, clean their teeth, and it's, it's quite successful at managing it. All right. Sugar, we know, is, is on the increase and because of fizzy drinks and all this sort of thing. You're an orthodontist and parent comes in with little Johnny or Mary or whatever. Are you sort of telling them, don't be drinking fizzy drinks, are you? Well, it's certainly to limit it in as much as, as you can. Every time you take some sugar, your, your tooth is under attack for about 30 minutes afterwards. Really? Really, you're under an acid attack. So the, the bugs in your mouth convert the sugar to acid and your tooth is under attack for about 30 minutes. So it's the frequency that really counts. If you have 10 snacks a day, you know, you have five continuous hours of acid attack. But if you can limit the number of, of sugar exposures they have to one or two a day, preferably around mealtimes, so that there's good buffering from the saliva, you'll do far less damage. But everybody is talking about sugars versus obesity. The same conversation isn't really taking place, or is it, about sugar and teeth? Well, it's certainly it's in the mix with the obesity and, and, and the teeth. And there's, there's a suggestion that, that if there were a sugar tax, that that would be directed towards dental services. All right. Now, my guest is consultant orthodontist uh, Paul Dowling. Your questions to 53106 cost 30 cents. It's the Right Hook Health Checkup. And Paul is standing in for Kira Kelly. Now, the Americans who think teeth are the most important thing in the world. They bring their children very early to dentist. How soon should the first dental visit be? Well, the, the Americans would suggest that the first dental visit should coincide with the first tooth. The arrival no. of the first tooth at six, eight months. Um, I think more, more realistically in this country, they would say about two, two and a half, three. And the idea of an early visit would be just to make it a positive and a, a fun experience for the, the youngster so that they're not arriving you know, in a distressed state, that they get a chance to come see the dentist, meet the dentist and the staff, sit in the chair maybe, and, and uh, so that it's really fun for them. So the suggestion is they come along with their parents to their dental visits just to become familiar with the environment so that if they do need to go at a later stage, there's no negative reaction on their part. 
One of the things that apparently your best friend won't tell you is that you have bad breath, apparently. I read this somewhere. Bad breath and dental hygiene are linked or not? Very much so, very much so. A significant contributor to bad breath is the bacterial uh, flora you have in your mouth. So if you can reduce the number of bacteria uh, that build up, your chances of having bad breath diminishes. And a good, thorough, professional, clean, very often immediately after that, you don't suffer from bad breath in quite the same way as you would maybe if you hadn't had them cleaned for, for a number of months. I, I said, you know, that your best friend won't tell you. In your experience, does anybody tell anybody they have bad breath? Do they? I haven't come across it much. <laughs> they tell other people. Yeah, you have be doing them a favour. Um, look, this question about, you know, adults listening to the programme and um, they've got problems. What do they do now? I mean... They, they, if you look in the mirror, you see you've gum disease, don't you? You see the gum is receding and there's more and more tooth uh, being seen and so on. Uh, brushing your teeth isn't going to help now. Well, you can see gum disease a lot earlier than when the tooth starts to lengthen. So really prevention. If you, if you go on a regular basis, the dentist will pick up early signs of gum disease and be able to intervene and prevent the kind of scenario, scenario you were talking about where the the length of the two But, but if men are notoriously bad at going to the doctor, right? If men are notoriously bad at simple checks like for prostate cancer and things, we know all that. They're definitely going to be bad at going to the dentist as well, aren't they? Uh, to, to a degree, the same pattern will follow, yes. So. You see, it's not the ones who go to the yeah. dentist. It's the ones who don't. Isn't that right? Definitely. Definitely. And the, this question, gum disease is actually more likely than decay, is it? Well, it depends on your your diet, but they're both fairly prevalent. But you're putting in fillings and doing all this sort of stuff, aren't you? So you're preventing decay. Yes, you can but treat you can't decay. Tre- yeah, but you can't treat gum disease. Well, you can't. Simple brushing is the... Is the it, it's, it's, you keep it's a, using this word simple, but it doesn't seem to be so simple. Well, I, I suppose people have to learn a technique. They have to learn a technique, preferably at a young age, that they'll keep that brushing technique for the rest of their lives. Yeah, but you use the word technique. You know, you and I have a common interest in in rugby. Like, there's a technique to pass in a ball, to kick in a ball, and you learn that. No, like, the technique of brushing your teeth, I was brushing my teeth for years, apparently, and, I like, I didn't know how to do it. Isn't it true that a huge number of people don't know how to do it? I would say you're right. You're right, and, and, the and so, aim, what is the right way? Well, uh, it's a kind of a visual lesson, really. You right. need to be sat down with somebody who can demonstrate, both on a model and in your mouth, the areas that need your attention. But it, it really, you need the brush to be brushing not only the teeth, but the junction between the tooth and the gum. That's and what about the famous floss? The famous floss, yes. If you, if you can manage the, your brushing technique, floss is a great addition to cleaning out the areas between the two. Each two teeth. How many times a day are you supposed to clean your teeth? 
say about four times a day. Ah, come on now, Paul. <laughs> at <laughs> least twice. At least twice. In the morning and in the evening. Like, at least. But but see, like you think of a radio station like this and you think of lunchtime, right? And increasingly this new generation of workers are having lunch at their desk and everything. I'd lay a pound to a penny. They're not all, all going off the bathroom brushing their teeth afterwards. Would you think? I, I, I'd say some do. I'd say some do. It would be worth Asking. Study. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the thing about technique in 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 brushing, right? Um, for people listening who who just don't think about it very much, you mentioned the word saliva, right? Again, I read somewhere, and I'm a kind of a lay medic, but I read somewhere that it was important to brush your teeth before you went to bed. But it was less important to brush it during the day because saliva was working during the day. Is that an old wives' tale or does that have some validity? Oh, no, it would have some validity. Your saliva has a lot of active ingredients that will help combat what's going on at your gum level, for sure. Um, But the important thing is not to let plaque accumulate on the teeth at any stage, be it night or at day. So regular removal of plaque will reduce gum disease. All right. Now we get to the $64,000 question. It's all very well you saying, come and see Paul Darling and I'll look after you and give you teeth, you know. Yeah, but you're going to charge me an arm and a leg, whereas the fellow in Budapest apparently will do it for a quarter of the price. So why shouldn't I whiz off to Budapest? Well, I think it is a good question and it's something that has become, this dental tourism has become um, more prevalent in the last five, six, maybe ten years. There's a number of reasons, I think, why you should stay at home. I think your own family dentist will provide the best backup and the best support and care on an ongoing basis, so he has a responsibility towards you. Um, There have been studies and case studies that have looked at at cases that have come back from these dental dental tourist locations. And what they see, the standard of what they see is really, really variable. Some good, some middle, and some absolutely awful. But but presumably there's some good, some middling, and some awful in Ireland. There is. There is, but at least you have recourse to help here if you do run into trouble. And I I worked on a a programme that looked at standards of dental education throughout Europe in a different life uh, over... When you were an academic. When I was an academic. And I can say without any question that the standard of, of, of education here and the standard of care here is second to none. Recourse is an important point to make, isn't it? Because like when you get it back on the plane at Budapest Airport, you can't actually come back tomorrow like necessarily and say, listen, we have a problem. That's right. Whereas you can turn up to your local dentist. That's right. All right. The the um I remember uh, when my son started playing rugby at seven years of age, his mother paid huge money for a mouth guard for him and then he promptly wouldn't wear it. Um, what about mouth guards in sport? Well, the GAA have made it compulsory, I see. They've done great. I think it's been a great initiative by the GAA. Um, if you see, I mean, I'm at the receiving end of seeing some of these dental traumas following matches and the, the damage is horrific or can be horrific and the costs enormous. Whereas a, a straightforward gum shield, well-made gum shield, can prevent huge, huge consequences. And you see the, the, the mini rugby, the junior rugby, it's compulsory in junior rugby as well, but not quite so well-enforced at an adult level, which I think is a shame. I mean, it helps protect the teeth, it helps protect the jaw, and it helps pr- protect against concussion as well. Yeah, yeah, because you only put the guard in on the upper teeth, isn't this right? Most usually, yeah. Yeah, but but 
that then reduces the trauma of the lower teeth bashing against the upper teeth or That's whatever. Right. That's right. Yeah. And and interesting, you mentioned concussion. How does it help for concussion? Because a lot of the concussions are a blow to the lower jaw that drives up through the, the skull. All right. Um, a really uh, terrible word, oral cancer. Is it really possible? Oh, oh absolutely. There are approximately 300 new cases of, of mouth cancer in Ireland every year. And I think over the last four or five years, uh, the dental profession have, have engaged in a very good initiative, which is Mouth Cancer Awareness Day, where people are in, can go along to their own dentist or any of the dentists who are participating, or the dental hospitals in, in Dublin and in Cork, for a screen, an oral screen. And that takes place on Wednesday, the 16th of September coming. All right. Uh, my guest is Paul uh, Dowling, consulting uh, orthodontist. But just before you go, and very quickly, you became a medic as well on at, at 35,000 feet. <laughs> this is like something out of the movies. What happened? <laughs> we, were, uh, we were on our way to America uh, two, three weeks ago. And there was a, a young man, youngish man, collapsed and stopped breathing in one of the aisles. And there was a, a, an outcry for a doctor on board and no doctor on and board. And you were the best. I was the nearest <laughs> thing to a doctor on board. So we uh, got help by my wife, who's also a dentist, and, and one of my older kids. We got him to the ground and thankfully he started breathing again. And we put on the, the, the defibrillator pads and it was high drama. Uh, fortunately, he didn't need to be defibrillated. Okay. So, uh, so he lived. Eh? He lived, and I was asked if we needed to turn the plane around. And my five kids looked at me with these <laughs> ho- horrified faces. But fortunately, we we kept going. We got him stable. All right, uh, but we couldn't interrupt kids' holidays for things like heart attacks. Um, so there you are. I, we'll get Paul back for because we have so many questions that we haven't done, and uh, we'll get back to those. But uh, Kira is back next week at the usual time just after the 6 o'clock news. My thanks to Paul Dowling, a consultant, orthodontist, and by all accounts, cheap. (laughs) Paul, thanks. Thank you, George.